0: On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music is Not a Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
2: Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to season five, episode five of Music Is Not a Genre. Double Fives M. Oh man, I practiced this too. MXG. Doing hand gestures instead of arm gestures. You gotta tell me if it's any better. It kinda still sucks, but I'm working on it. You know, it's like choreography. Thank you as always for watching and listening. Don't forget you can support this podcast at patreon.com/slash music is not a genre. I urge you. To Please go visit there. You will find so many exclusives and extra features and things that you don't get from this regular podcast right here. You can also support at anchor.fm slash music is not a genre. And in both cases... Whether you're Patreon for everything, including rec music or Anchor for just the audio version of this podcast, you can start for as little as five dollars a month. So we greatly appreciated. My public hub, as always, is YouTube.com/slash/NickD'Amato, and the website is NickD'Amato.com, where you get everything else I do besides music, podcast, and acting, and all of that stuff. And most, but last, or whatever a better saying is. Wreckarea.bandcamp.com. all of these links are at the end of this video they're also in the text whether you are listening or watching all the links are here recarea.bandcamp.com is where you will support and listen to my band Rex music including our brand new album Wreck collection the best of Wreck 2007 to 2020 that's my pitches thank you for listening and let's get to the meet. This week, Season 5, Episode 5, this episode is called Green Day, Proper and Punk. As you know, as always, I have fun kind of explaining why I name things the way I do. Maybe not always, but that's what I'm doing this season, so screw it, right? And... You can probably guess why, and I'm going to get to that, but there's a little bit of controversy surrounding Green Day uh, in their history. I don't think so much now, but historically there has been, although there are still some people who um, subscribe to that controversy or to that attitude and opinion, and I'll get to that in a second. But let me tell you exactly what's going to happen in this podcast. Some podcasts are a little more freewheeling than others. Some kind of write themselves. This mostly wrote itself. And most of what I'm going to do is just go through the discography. But first, a couple of little things here. in The beginning, Green Day started in the West Coast. 1987, uh, they have had the same three band members for over 30 years. They started out with a drummer, uh, with Billy Joe Armstrong, real name as well, vocals, guitar, uh, also the primary songwriter, primary singer, certainly. And Mike durnt who is Michael Ryan Pritchard, and he took on the name, the name durnt was given to him because he liked to play air bass and other stuff and would make the sound, durnt, 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 like that. And they said, Mike durnt so there you go. And he also does backup vocals. And those two started the band with a drummer named Raj Punjabi, who was then uh, replaced... By a guy named John Kiffmeyer, uh, who ended up being on some of the early recordings, actually, and then left to go to college, and he was replaced by Trey Cool, real name Trey Cool. Now, real name Frank Edwin Wright the Trey Cool, yes, definitely a better punk name, and it's pretty easy to explain. Trey is the French for very. Oh, the although it is. Spelled without the S in his case, I guess, to, you know, make it different. And then cool is cool. So very cool, right? Drums, backup vocals. Those same three guys for over 30 years, which is always, I think, wonderful in a band. There's a certain level of consistency that happens when the same members are there. If one changes here and there, sure, the sound might change a little, but the core of the band's still there. That's fine. If you only have one original member left, maybe you're recreating the sound, at times but if you're creating anything new it's not really going to be like what the what the band is so i admire and respect any bands who can stay together that long and have the same personnel and they started with the name sweet child sweet children sorry sweet children uh i believe god you know i really need to uh, organize these notes a little bit better i'd show you my notes but if you're just listening, you wouldn't see them anyway. And if you're watching, I'd have to turn this whole thing around. And as you can see, my setup is changing every week. We're trying different things, which can be very exciting. We don't know where it's going to end. We don't know what the rest of the season's going to look like. What you will find above, and yeah, I'm jumping around, is my new Wreck Love Wall. You're only seeing the bottom of it because that's where the shot is. But that is all almost all of the releases in my career as a musician, singer, songwriter, producer. And I kind of just like the idea of having them uh, on the back wall of the studio slash office here, you know. And then just one of the custom speakers to my side. We'll see. I don't know where it's going. Anyway, back back to this. They changed their band name to Green Day, which was a term exactly what you would think it is. Hey, I'm taking a Green Day, which means I'm just going to kind of, you know, sit at home or hang with a friend, just smoke weed all day. Uh, At a time when, of course, weed was still widely illegal, completely illegal in this country and frowned upon. It's still frowned upon by some very few people, uh, but they seem to have lost this battle because weed is now legal. So basically every day here in New York, somewhere, many locations is a Green Day. So congratulations, Green Day. Uh, Yeah. So now let me get to this real quick before I get to the, you know... Um, discography, and that is that the controversy here, and the reason why I called this punk and proper, or proper and punk, duh, is that at a certain point in their career, Green Day were seen as sellouts and as not actually punk. Uh, The legend, John Lydon, Johnny Rotten, said that pop guys. They haven't earned the right to be punk. Now, I would love your opinion on this. I'd love to know what you think makes something punk. Because punk eventually, uh, in some ways, you know, it branches offshoots, blah, blah, blah. That's why music is not a genre. Uh, Offshot off into emo, in some cases, or pop punk, as, uh, as it can also be called. So you might have Blink-182 and bands like that. And... That, it's it's interesting because I think that punk is two different things. And those two things can be at once together or separate. And one is it's a sound and two is it's an attitude. Yeah, it's a look, it's whatever. You can just break it down however you want. But I think as far as the music goes, it's a sound and it's an attitude. So the attitude is kind of, you know, fuck you, we'll do whatever we want. We love what we do, but we don't care enough that you care, and we're going to make this stuff uh, as simple as possible, but still put in everything we want to put in. Uh, and many bands, especially post-punk bands, expanded on the, that idea. you know. So that's kind of the attitude. And the sound, of course, is fast and crunchy. And again, kind of scaled down in terms of complexity. Uh, there might be either some yelling or at least some loud singing. It, it's a fast simple rock and that to me is those two things don't necessarily have to overlap and I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you a perfect example I'm going to get to this later too there are artists whose attitude was super punk anti-establishment the whole thing but whose sound was pretty straightforward middle of the road mellow whatever To me, that's not punk music. That is punk in attitude. And I say that because I am very punk in attitude, but most of what I do doesn't sound punk. Some of it does, and we'll get to that too, but most doesn't sound punk. But those artists, mellower, whatever you want to call it, are not strictly punk in terms of the music, which to me, that's where it really has to lie is how does it sound? You know, so when Johnny Rotten says, "Oh, Green Day's not punk," and he's going for they they haven't earned it, whatever the hell that means." And uh, you know, they're too poppy. The reason why I disagree is there is no rule saying punk has to be non-pop or punk has to only tackle one subject in its lyrics or have one at even one attitude. There have been punk love songs, let's face it, you know. There have been, I think every, probably every subject has been covered in punk and and post-punk. It's now, because it's been around forever, you know. Well, what, 45 years, I guess? And and there are precursors to punk and kind of garage rock and other rock bands that date back, shoot, straight to the, at least the early 60s. So to me, it is the sound. It's the sound that makes punk and... The musical attitude, which is different from the attitude of the person or the lyrics, meaning the it has to be somewhat in your face, and it has to have those certain elements of we we care, but but not not that much, you know. And one other thing, and there's been straight edge punk and blah 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 and all these different you know offshoots of punk, and this is where I just get sick of the whole idea of genre, and I really am in disagreement with people who say that something isn't something because it doesn't follow the rules. Because A, we make up the rules, or the industry makes up the rules. I find fans to be a little more rabid and stringent even than the industry in many cases. Those types of fans, heads, like punk heads, you know, whatever. If that's what you're loyal to, you know, and again loyalty whatever listen to what you want and love what you want i also think that the the idea of punk residing in in the in, in the sound and i guess i'm kind of stepping over my words here because i just get so emotional about this and i'm restraining myself because this is a very positive podcast you know but i don't like I don't like someone like, you know, Johnny Rotten saying, well, they didn't do this or they do this differently. So it's not punk. Isn't the whole idea of punk that there are no rules or that the old rules don't apply? And then all of a sudden it got codified and rules came about. Now, to me, the best music of any genre or type of music or whatever word you want to use is good songs that are well done. You know, well-performed, reasonably well-produced. Doesn't have to be perfect. Doesn't even have to be perfectly performed. But if the songs are good, then that's good music to me. And that can apply in, in every type of music that there is in the world. And that's where, hey, if the sound is punk, it's punk. If it's not, it's not. That. And and I have to make that distinction. And if you're listening to the atmosphere in here, I don't have a studio. That's soundproof, by the way. That is going to be your job. That's going to be my Patreon people helping me out here to afford a uh, booth and the quietude of the, the you know perfect audio uh, soundscape. Anyway, boy, I'm having... This is a punk... This You know what? This is a punk podcast right now because I'm just going off and saying whatever I want, whenever I want, apparently, and I've barely talked about Green Day yet. So I think I've made my point, basically saying that yes, Green Day are punk because they have the sound of punk and the in that uh, musical approach of punk and the force and dynamism and all of the things that make punk punk. And the fact that something is a well-written song or pop doesn't make it not punk, you know. And the fact that something is just complete, you know, craziness in terms of its composition or is yelled or the the singer can't. You know, carry a tune doesn't certainly doesn't make it not punk. Uh, that's part of the world too. So yes, Green Day is punk. They're still punk, no matter how many changes have happened. I would say that they're even more punk than you know some of the pop, pop punk bands out there. And then you have. Artists like the early Avril Lavigne who, you know, cribbed punk or even Olivia Rodrigo, who was done a little bit with that kind of punk or, you know, grungy kind of sound where you're taking on the patina of a different type of music. So if you're a pop artist who wants to add, you know, Latin elements, doesn't make you a Latin artist. You know, if you're a pop artist who adds punk elements, doesn't make you punk. So, you know, and, and that's fine. It's still, so that song may be punk. I'm just talking about what the artist is. And P- Green Day's always been punk because they've always done exactly what they wanted to do. And they've done it in largely a punk style, largely. They have certainly done more than that. The discography that I've been talking about is starting right now. Mark your, you know, whatever's. It's about almost 15 minutes into this podcast. The first thing they recorded and released was something called 1,000 Hours in 1989. Uh, It was an EP. It was on Lookout Records, which was so huge in the punk world in the 80s and 90s. I bought several of their things. Uh, 39 Smooth the following year, that's 39 slash smooth, was their first full album. Also on Lookout Records and i've listened to all of this i've done their complete chronology don't necessarily remember all of it but i remember thinking oh they were raw and they had the energy and they had the talent some of the songs were approaching like great songwriting but in general that was the thing that that and kind of the recording quality is what needed to kind of come up you know and and did that same year slappy which i believe is an ep Contains a cover from uh, another Lookout Records uh, artist, Operation Ivy, who was one of my early faves as far as punk goes. And I call them Second Wave Punk because First Wave Punk would be, you know, Sex, Pistols, and The Clash and all that stuff. And Second Wave comes in the 80s. Sweet Children it was another EP in 1990. And... Uh, that's their original name, so that's why they call them that. you know, they were already kind of looking back, which is something that Billy Armstrong has done his entire career and his lyrics has looked back. you know, so I find kind of interesting he did it here. It also has a cover of the Who's My Generation, which proves something I've always believed, which is that the who, like the kinks, had elements of punk in what they did. Early on, especially, they certainly morphed from there, but those first recordings. You know, even in some ways you could say the Beatles, but not quite. You know, that very early, you know, where they were just constantly performing in Germany and then went and did like an entire album in a day or two or whatever. But no, not really, you know. But yes, the early who the kids garage rock and things, other things you might want to call it. But there's a lot of proto-punk out there, just as there's a lot of proto everything that came before the term was coined and the movement happened. Uh, 1991. It's the last album uh, to feature John Kiffmeyer on drums because it was a compilation, and it's called "1039 Smoothed Out Slappy Hours." Which, if you were listening, can you can tell that it was a compilation of uh, their earlier EPs and and you know stuff like that. Uh, the deluxe version of "1039 Smoothed Out Slappy Hours." I've already forgotten the name. It was was has live tracks that were recorded at a radio station called WMMR, which is in Philadelphia. And when I found that out, when I did their chronography back in 2020, I believe I flipped because I'm like, well, that was one of my favorite stations, you know, as a kid and young adult, and. MMR is still going strong. It's still playing very, very similar stuff, and you know, and, and even, mo- you know, come up to modern times. It's not just playing music from certain eras. It's playing everything that fits its format, you know, that kind of rock, hard rock, whatever format. Uh, it used to compete with another Philly uh, radio station called WYSP, but YSP, a decade or more ago, switched to all sports. So... And before that was kind of looking for a different identity anyway, so that competition ended. Neither of them beat Dre in my heart, but MMR, you gotta give it, you gotta give it props for being like the having the legacy that it does. So their last independently released album on Lookout was also in 1991. It was called Kerplunk. It was the first album Trey Cool appeared on, and has an early version of Welcome to Paradise. And this is where you really can see, oh, they're not just riding on the energy of live performances. They want what they record to be lasting, to have substance to it that goes. And not that the early stuff didn't, but not that anything doesn't, but that they have the kind of substance that reaches beyond what it seems to be. You know, and I think that that's that started in large part on Kerplunk. Ker- Planck. They signed to a major label, and then uh, were touring and getting stuff together. So their next album didn't come out until '94, and I have it here because it's the first thing I ever bought from Green Day. And of course, you know what it is if you're a Green Day fan. It is "Dookie," uh, one of the greatest albums of all time, any kind, I think. "Long View," "Welcome to Paradise," "Basket Case," "She," "She Sleeps in silent. When I Come Around, uh, the entire album is great, but those are just some of the highlights. And this is where the sellout thing started. I don't need to get into this anymore, except to say that to me, a true musical sellout is not somebody who wants to make money doing music they love and are passionate about. And or makes money off the catalog, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, the Who aren't sellouts, despite the name of their album, and despite their music being all over TV, like in, I guess it's CSI. I don't know. I don't watch those shows. Uh, that doesn't make them sellouts. They're allowed to make money on the stuff that they do. That's one of the great joys of being an artist. You know, is making a living at it in some way. And being able to pass that on to your loved ones, etc., etc., however much you make. It's, it's artists whose entire raison d'etre is to make money. Is all they talk about is money. All they sing about uh, often is money. And when they create something, they create it strictly to make money. That, to me, is a sellout. Now you know, they're not doing it because they're passionate about it. They're not passionate about the music. They're passionate about making the money. You know, now it doesn't mean, hey, they're making a living. So as far as just a person with integrity, sure, fine. You know, they're being honest about it on the whole. But artistically, I think that that is, that to me is the only remaining definition of a sellout. You know, it's not whether or not a band signs to a major label and makes money. I knew somebody who once said when a band they like, an indie band they like, signs to a major label, they stop listening to them. And I I stopped listening to that person. (laughs) Uh, Not a coincidence. Anyway, that's all I'm saying about that. That brings and Dookie was huge. It broke them, blah, blah, blah. You know, everybody knows them, uh, especially back then because of Dookie. That's not, that's not completely why everybody still knows them today. Insomniac, 1995, they wanted to, bam, they wanted to get this out right away and prove that they weren't just a, you know, one hit album wonder. Brain Stew, Walking Contradiction, uh, so many other great songs. This album has an even, I to me, a harder sound than Dookie, and that was by Design. And here's, here's something interesting. I w- I've always been into a ton of different kinds of music. You may notice I only have f- four CDs stacked here. And people listening, sorry. But yeah, four CDs. Because after Dookie, I might have shifted gears mentally. Who knows? But I checked out. You like my punk hair? I did the best I could with the haircut I have. And uh, again, sorry, just listeners. You'll have to tune in on uh, patreon.com slash genre to see what I look like. And uh, I did not buy Insomniac. I didn't buy Nimrod. I didn't buy Warning. So I'm saying that right off the bat. I lost touch with them until another uh, CDA, which I'll get to. Nimrod was 1997, which to me was, I'll call it their second pivot. Uh, You know, the first pivot was on, I think, on Kerplunk, where they were like, we need to turn this into something, mm, like I was talking about with Kerplunk, and have great songs, etc., and Dookie was sort of the uh, result of that pivoting. Nimrod uh, was when they said, we can do things other than hard music, and they have Good Riddance Time of Your Life, which was a huge hit for them, and I remember enjoying it even back then, even though I don't have the album, and they were showing a willingness to make punk whatever they wanted it to be. Is that not a punk song? I mean, you can argue yes or no there, but it's done by a punk band, and, and, and they are a punk band no matter what they do. So to me, it's still a punk song in a lot of ways, even though it's an acoustic song. Uh, very diverse album, very diverse album, and just shows the this, this strength of the songwriting increasing. It's everything, you know, continually improving and getting better. Not that it wasn't great, you know, already by then. Three years go by and Warning comes out. And this is another move forward. Uh, I won't call it uh, a giant pivot because this to me was a continuation of what they were doing on Nimrod, which was exploring more acoustic, exploring more pops, an array of pop styles, uh, throwing in more political stuff, even. Just adding more to what they do, which to me is a beautiful thing. It's always been a beautiful thing. And, and to me, this is also, uh, you can see how this led to American Idiot. The certain, certain content on Warning shows that that's kind of where they were headed, if they so chose to, which they did. Uh, then we get to something else in my collection. Boom. Green Day. International Super Hits one of my favorite named greatest hits albums 100%. Hey, I'll show you the back too. Why not? I can do it. And I bought it like, you know, pretty much right after it came out or soon after it came out cuz like I need to catch up. They're doing some interesting stuff and it's one of the most listenable listen-through greatest hits albums ever. Really. You know, sure, greatest hits are supposed to be all the great stuff anyway. Doesn't necessarily mean every Greatest Hits album is something you listen from beginning to end. This one is. This one absolutely is. And there's a couple new songs on there, too. So worth checking out on your streaming service. Shenanigans in 2002 is a compilation. And I only mention it, and then you'll notice I'm not mentioning their live albums. I don't do live albums. I've talked about that before. Unless Unless it's like the one Roots live album or something significant like... Chicago 4 you know uh, this 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 shenanigans includes a cover of Tired of Waiting by the Kinks again dead on choice a choice choice showing that the Kinks had elements of punk it's actually uh, for a while it almost kind of sounds like the Kinks you know but still the more you listen it has that you know um, Green Day attitude and that brings us to American Idiot, the third of four CDs that I own of theirs. Uh, yeah, the, the Bleeding Heart Grenade. Yep, that's that's awesome. And if you know Dookie, you know it because your fan has been around for a while or you went back and explored their stuff. If you know American Idiot, it's because you are above the age of 25, let's say, and are breathing and alive because that just absolutely revolutionized I think what we thought of as Green Day in 2004 and again I don't need to go into this one the way I don't need to go into Dookie because a lot's been said about it Uh, it is not the first punk concept album Uh, some might say that the first punk concept album was an album called Zen Arcade by Husker Du another early fave punk band of mine A couple of years later, they released an album. uh, Forget the name of it. I'll do a Husker Du uh, episode eventually. And there was a song on there, Could You Be The One, which I couldn't stop listening to. And I've followed Bob Mould as well, ever since Husker Du broke up. Uh, But that that has been said to be the first punk concept album. But American Idiot uh, reminded people, or maybe the first time they ever learned it, that punk could be whatever it wanted to be, including... uh, progressive or concept-based, a rock opera, as they called it. It features most or all of the elements that they've had in previous incarnations. That's one of the things that makes it great. And to me, it's what made Green Day lasting legends. You know, Dookie said they're a great band who will always have a place in history, and American Idiot said they will always be remembered. You know, and always be uh, respected and appreciated. Broadway, there was supposed to be a movie made, apparently, that's been scrapped. But just, the you know, the the cast recording is even done well as far as sales and streams. Uh, Wake Me Up When September Ends is probably my favorite. But again, one of the albums you just listen from getting in. And you're supposed to because it's a concept album. And I prefer people do that with albums anyway. But if you're you're picking choosing, which is also fun, any of the songs are worth picking and choosing. Um, And so that was another huge pivot for them, which they continued on the last CD there's they own. I own 21st Century Breakdown. Uh, Another rock opera. So this was five years later. Uh, My dog just sneezed. Bless you, Olga. And 21 Gums is pro- Guns is probably my fave from that album. And uh, it is their top performing album ever uh, as far as sales go. I don't know what it is as far as streams. It also won a Grammy. Uh, so huge. And I remember thinking, I like this a lot. You know, and I like it better in hindsight, but that I waited five years. And they did another rock opera. Now, they're, you know, it's still great. And if American Idiot hadn't come out, maybe this is the one that may, may have, you know, sealed their legacy. It's that good. But I but I thought to myself, well, having heard their greatest hits and went back and listened to their albums, et cetera, et cetera, and then American Idiot comes along, I expected them to uh, pivot again. They didn't for 2009. And... Three years passed, which means I don't own any more of their CDs because after, what, 2011, I hardly bought any. And 2012 comes along, and, and the restless souls that exist in Green Day, led by Billy Joe Armstrong, show that being a restless soul can be a wonderful thing because it always pushes you forward. Oh, I did something great or good or worthwhile or it satisfied me or some people liked it but I want to do something more and I want to do something different. I want to do more great of the same or I want to do something completely different. And that's why they keep pivoting and this was another pivot for them, 2012. They released three albums, Uno, Dos, Tres, three different sonic styles, basically, And this is not an uncommon thing. There have been a lot of bands, especially in the modern era, who have released a ton of music in one year. Uh, Different albums with different sonic styles that remind you of anything. Uh, Maybe Rex 2020, Magnum Opus, The Weird Objective, five albums, EPs, all different styles. Um, And at the time, I thought I was crazy, but I was going to do it anyway. And of course, precursors like you know, Green Day had done it before, along with so many other bands. I really enjoyed uh, absorbing all of this, but I had trouble absorbing it all. Because three albums in one year, tough to absorb. Not that I'm not looking forward to Red Hot Chili Peppers' second double album this year. Gonna kill kill that as soon as it comes out. Uh, but I was going through a lot in 2012. What can I say? And I did my best to absorb it all, but it was, you know, it was better uh, listening in hindsight. Uh, for me yet again, so many good and diverse songs on all of these albums. this uno was power pop, so likely my favorite because i 'm a you know an electro power pop guy uh and it also by design, these three had less heavy content than the previous two albums there 's some you know seriousness on these, but they didn 't want it to be a rock opera or things. They just wanted to make good music uh dose. Uh, It was garage rock. That was what they described as their garage rock album. And to me, there were certain elements of it that also kind of led to what they would release in 2020, that album, which I'll get to soon. And then Trey, which they described as epic stadium rock. And when you hear, you know, X-Kid and other albums, other songs from that album, you you can understand it has a... It has a melodrama to some of it, and, and a bigger sound, and and more expansive, uh, you know, instrumentation and things like that. And it's a nice sonic break from the first two, you know, which had that harder quality. And great lyrics still, you know. It's also more lyrically serious, which that kind of music kind of lends itself to, to that. So totally makes sense. Uh 2014, they released Demolicious, which were demos of the Uno Dos Tray. which, funny, because weird objective, again, wreck. Prior to that, I released uh, a two-volume set of demos called Music Is Not a Genre, but that was before this podcast came out. If you could look up, you'd see it on my wall. I'm going to give you a little quick shot of it, okay? Boom. There it is. Yeah. Take a whatever. I don't know if I... I think I got the framing pretty much right. And uh, that they were demos of what would become the weird objective. So again, you know, artists, any of you out there who think, can I do this? Should I do this? Forget those questions and just do it. Because A, it's probably been done before by somebody. And B, who cares? If that's what you feel, then do it. Uh, Yeah, that's punk. Revolution Radio came out in 2016, and that was a nice, tight album, you know. And to show that kind of creative and sonic energy, you know, almost 30 years into their career, is just a beautiful thing, you know. And I think it's in my top three as far as production sound, which I don't say a lot for the age of, you know, massive compression, which has been happening for 10, 15, probably 15 years now. Uh, but this one I think does qualify as one of the really well done, uh, you know, production wise, still breathing is my w- favorite song from revolution radio and probably, probably top five favorite green day songs, period, period. And that, that song showed that they could do emo quote unquote, as well as Jimmy Eat world. It sounds like a Jimmy Eat world song in some ways. And, uh, some of those other bands uh you know a little bit like at the drive and stuff like that uh it also this album added some electronic elements which combined with what they did on uno i'll say really uh created their next album which is 2020's father of all motherfuckers yeah cursed fuck you i cursed I absolutely love this. I loved this album. It came at the right time for me. And it was, again, another pivot. Because they added certain pop elements they hadn't done before. And they had certain electronic elements they hadn't done before. They even sampled, quote-unquote, Joan Jett's Do You Want to Touch on their song, Oh Yeah, which I thought was a great callback for so many reasons. Uh, Meet Me on the Roof is Infectious. And a fun uh, music video too. It was a renewal of their sound in a kind of way you want a a long-term band to do, because it didn't. It's not trying to cash in on a trend or, you know, be uh, hip to people who are listening to stuff only that you know only come out in the last five to ten years. It's just exploring new sounds that came about after they started and after other things that they've done in a way that they're passionate about they even have some kind of soul elements on there which is I think you know again really cool and yet they still have their punk feel and the green day signature in so many fire ready aim I did an episode on the hives last season I want you to go back and listen to the hives please do if you haven't there's another band that's punk that's a punk band whatever else you want to say about them. a band from Sweden And Fire Ready Ames just sounds like the Hives to me. It sounds like the Hives to me by a band who started, you know, at at least a decade, probably a decade before the Hives did. Um, And then you have, I just want to mention these, Same Year No Fun Mondays. And this almost slipped through the cracks for me. And then I uh, was looking up cover songs with my wife and found this. It's an entire album of covers. And they're all very cool, you know, some better than others, but the ones I like in particular are That Thing You Do because it's an Adam Schlesinger song from Fountains of Wayne. Great. Uh, Death is Dumb subject, first one. Cool that they did that so they know that he existed and what a great song it was. Great writer he was. Uh, Kids in America, and it might have been a tribute because I believe it was done after his death. Kids in America, which has been covered before to varying degrees of success I think Green Day was able to capture uh, most of the original feel, you know, but in their own way. And still, it's still Green Day, which is cool. And listen, anybody who does, I think we're alone now, which was, what, Tiffany, who covered, oh, God, Tommy James and the Shondells. I I can't remember. Kill me if I'm wrong, please. But it was a cover of a cover, and now it's a cover of a cover of a cover. Yeah, right? Great choice. And Manic Monday... Right, The Bangles uh, or Prince V of the Bangles, absolutely. But then he also did Give Me Some Truth, and this calls back to something I mentioned earlier. That is uh, a John Lennon song. They make it a punk song, and that is not hard to do because the lyrics are super punk. The attitude is super punk. The artist, not punk. You wouldn't know what he would call Lennon punk. Even when he sang in, in that style different sound the whole thing but the attitude was there and they took it and made it into its essence anyway which is a punk song you know two more things one is that ends the discography except for the fact that apparently they're working on an album called 1972 the year all three of them were born the year my brother was born as well and it's supposed to come out next year. And I was so excited to hear this because, A, you would have to wait as long as it has been between other albums recently, you know. And B, I just want to hear more Green Day, you know. And uh, there's so many uh, legacy bands are coming out with albums in the next year or two. And I'm very excited about it. And they're one of them. Uh, if you know anything about this album, I, I heard a clip of one of the songs. Kind of hard to tell. It was meant to be deliberately obscure. But I'm um, still excited about it. And I'm looking forward to seeing if they pivot again or whatever it is they do. And then the last thing, of course, uh, near and dear to my heart, is uh, what song of mine has been influenced by Green Day? There have been a few. You know, Brave the World, Stop It. But in particular, I'm going to mention one called Three More Minutes from the album Synergy for the Weird. Also appears on Recollection, Collection, The Best of Rec 2007-2020. Go to recarea.bandcamp.com to check it out or any streaming service that you use it's everywhere and three more minutes is a song that is extremely twisty uh because uh, you know the first line is three more minutes tick off the clock and you're that much closer to checking out forever so that's basically saying every minute goes by you're closer to death you know and it means that it also means and i and this is where i kind of twisted the meaning and the whole idea is not just that you've, you're going to die eventually, but that sometimes you feel like you want to. And sometimes there are people who feel like they're going to do it themselves, you know, i.e. suicide. And I make this case throughout the, through the lyrics, especially towards the end, uh, it, which is taking that idea of three minutes passing and saying, however you're feeling right now, give it three minutes. Let it pass. You know, it's a takeoff on YouTube Stuck in a Moment. You can't get out of on about Michael Hutchins. You get stuck in a moment. You don't know what can happen, good or bad. Give it three minutes. And then three more and three more and three more. And that's how the song ends. And it does the whole thing in an extremely high-energy punk style. Stay tuned. In the next 30 seconds or so, you're going to hear the damn song. And please look it up in streaming. I put the link below. Uh, for Bandcamp in particular. But again, it's everywhere. Please uh, patronize uh, however you can. I always appreciate you uh, watching and listening uh, because my objectives here are music, conversation, and connection. Thank you, and I will talk to you next week.
1: Three more minutes, stick off the clock, give you that much out forever. feeling that just won't go away is it possible that you're not very clever So much. Give it a breath, give it time Giving up is not the same as giving And this is why I'm telling you No, give it three more minutes Let it tick off the clock. Yeah, no, give it three more minutes I swear the feeling will stop, yeah No, give it three more minutes You cannot close that door No, give it three more minutes Three more, three more,
0: Achieve the American dream. The big house. The happy family. The money. What's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. My dead. My mom right there. From Airship.